what can what can you just like get stuck to yourself? Jellyfishes. <laughs> Ouch! And these things. <laughs> and all of those things are like expectations. Oh, you need to study and then get a job and then grow up and have a house and stuff like that. What you do by freeing yourself up and finding, oh, that's a jellyfish, you throw it, return it to the ocean so it's free and happy. And all of a sudden, you're being able to breathe better and you interact with life in a more pure way, not the one that is completely covered by all of these expectations and stories. Welcome to a new episode of Better Together. And as you might have known, if that's not your first episode, then we always go really deep into topics. And that's awesome, we love it, but it can also have a downside. Downside of just not being able to relax and letting go of things. Always like just going in and trying to analyze everything. It's fun, we enjoy it, but it can also be difficult. So today's episode is how we can balance going deep and at the same time also having fun, like being in, in play mode. Yeah. And uh, actually, this episode is inspired by our first hater. <laughs> sure, yeah. <laughs> because we, we posted uh, a YouTube clip of, I don't know, what, was, 20 seconds? Yeah, it was 30 seconds of Avatar, of like, um, just what we feel when we watched Avatar. Yeah, and then the dude, two people actually, were saying, it's just a movie, like, it's an alright movie, why do you have to be so deep? Why do you have to make it such a big deal? And uh, we were like, oh, this is not normal. <laughs> we really needed the reflection from somebody uh, that is not living that life that we have to, to realize, oh, we actually analyze everything to an extent that it's not normal. <laughs> and we like it. We, we enjoy it. So when, when the comment happened, we, we first realized, no, he, you realized at night and we were about to go to sleep and I was already checked out. I, I wasn't in, in business mode or in any, any type of mode that would be helpful for the situation. And when I heard that, it was, I took it slightly personal. It's like the first time that we get an attack, let's say. <laughs> it's not even an attack. Just it's not not, that not having the same direction or opinion or perspective as we have, I think. In, in and somebody actually saying that now out loud. Yeah. So in that moment, it was like, okay, how do we deal with the situation? And also this wake-up call of, what? Mm -hmm. <laughs> Isn't everybody as deep and going as deep with everything? Yeah, so, I think for the context, we've been traveling for the last 12 months together. So we've been really in this, this bubble with, with ourselves. So I think that, that makes a huge difference that we really notice. Okay, we've been hanging out so much together, analyzing everything that's happening. And I think now, like, getting the perfection, it was very interesting. Yeah. And also, we're both psychologists and we're both philosophers of life. Mm -hmm. And uh, very deep in the journey of self-knowledge. So that, that just takes things very deep. Even if it's just putting peanut butter on your banana and you're like, ah, oh, okay, I wonder what the peanut butter felt. Uh, when it was crushed to death. <laughs> no, whatever. <laughs> it's just, it's not the case. I haven't thought about it. Yes. Maybe tomorrow. But yeah, we do analyze deeply everything that happens to us, especially the things that have an opportunity for growth. For example, 
the reaction to the comment because I was like attacked. I was I was like, ouch, why would you say that? That's not nice. You do not want me to be myself. <laughs> that was my first reaction. And then it's 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 logical and it, I was even happy because it's like, oh okay, we're reaching an audience that is not the same as us and we're getting a reaction, but that's, that's good. Like we're getting out of the bubble. So that that's how it evolved. <laughs> but yeah, we analyzed everything and the situation was a beautiful situation that we also analyzed to the bottom until we couldn't dig any further. And <laughs> that's, that's why we're here. Exactly, now talking about, okay, since we do that all the time, we notice it sort of is a downside because we continuously like check in on everything. Like every every night, we basically check on on the day and how it went, and those things are are being part of it. So now it's it's the case. Okay, but there's the in life there there always has to be a balance. So when we hyper analyze and are cognitively engaged in this, there needs to be a counterpart, and the counterpart we think is goes in the direction of like play, taking life easy, and seeing it not as so serious, maybe. So that that's the idea, maybe you want to talk about today. Yeah, I think we oscillate between the being absolutely analytical and going to the extreme depth of something, and then nothing matters. Like it doesn't matter. You just play. You just flow with it. Go with it. Let it go. Or at least that's how I would consider myself that I interact with the world in those ways, and very often is I'm uh, interacting in the way of like, it doesn't matter and I'm just flowing with it. And then when there's something that gets triggery, something that doesn't flow, something that it's like eh, cringy, then I analyze that part. But I don't get to, if I'm in that state of flow and play, I don't think. And then when I'm in the thinking, it's, it's harder to play, let's say. So then it's like, both both things and the pendulum swings in between them. Would it distinguish now what we like sort of bluntly put out, okay, the analyzing and the play as sort of the difference between the mind and the heart or the mind and the gut feeling or body? Yeah. That's, that's at least how I would kind of see it whenever I'm like stuck analyzing or have overly, you know, worked on the computer or done something. I always have the feel the need to go deeper into the body or the heart and to balance it out again, to be, to feel really present again. Would you see that too? Yes, and sometimes we, in a conversation of analyzing something, we really go with the body too. Uh, I have to explain that one a bit more. So we start talking like a, about a train of thought, and then we start feeling something about it. And yeah. then it's like, I feel resistance, I feel weird. Let's put an example. Um, let's say a friend that it's no longer a friend. So um, I, I had a situation with a person that was in my life that I was like, oh, well, this person doesn't feel right. So then we had a conversation and whenever I would think of continuing the friendship and being like, okay, maybe we can do this or that and maybe we can arrange, it would feel icky in my stomach. It would be like, no, that's not it. So in the analyzing, there's also this conversation that happens with the body 
that is informing where the the conversation goes. So sometimes the body is part of the conversation, even in the analysis, because the body gives cues of how how do you really yeah. feel about this. But the analysis, at least for me, really happens in the mind that we're trying to connect those pieces, and like it is an analytical process to see those parts. I think. And also when I noticed that when we went into analyzing those things, it is so nice to just go out in nature and just, you know, let thoughts go and flow and just come back to just feeling the nature around, just to really balance it and let it sink in. Because like quite often also what we what I had in, in workshops when I went there for like, I don't know, when you go there, six, seven hours in a workshop, you get information, you have maybe also interactions, then it needs days to integrate it to really understand what's happening. Because, yeah, you get it cognitively in a moment, but then to really understand it, it needs to sort of sink in. And I feel that's what's happening when you shift to the other other extreme, to the body, to the heart, or whatever you want to call it. So you're saying that there's a time to integrate? Yeah, beyond after, the analysis beyond or after. Analysis. I would say... For example, with Avatar, we weren't thinking, we weren't analyzing while we were watching it, and we were just feeling and experiencing things. And then some things got glued into our memory of, like, okay, this is important, or or this is really emotional, this is uh, deep as fuck, whatever. Like, whatever it was. And then we could go back to it and analyze it. But in the moment, we're just feeling it so there's mm-hmm. there's yeah. a dance that's happening now that I, we're talking about it that it between the, the flowing and the analyzing and the the mind and the body that doesn't necessarily uh, get compartmentalized you know <laughs> in our experience now it's I, th- I think recording a podcast is a perfect example because i'm constantly trying to be in the moment in the conversation with you fully immersed and at the same time like meta thinking about oh how is this podcast going which direction do you want to guide it that's happening all the time continuously and this is like a i find it a nice interplay and a difficult thing i think between being fully present and yet being aware of what's happening from a third person perspective mm-hmm. how does it feel when we are fully in play fully in in, in another mode that is not analytical I feel like it's quite often the judgment factor that comes in, like the narrator factor, factor. <laughs> the narrator that that sort of says, "Oh, this is happening now," and is sort of judging it in a way of when, uh, example for, for me, one is dancing. I'm super aware of when I do movements and how that is happening because I'm a little bit uh, self-conscious in that area. And when I'm getting into a state where I do not care about whatever movement I'm doing, just my body is just doing things, but I'm not cognitively thinking about what would look good, what would be cool, then that's a state of flow for me in that specifically. I think that can be applied in other areas as well when I'm not thinking about making things right or wrong, going with whatever's happening. How's that for you? I think I have a similar experience that I had 
a lot of iterations to become free, freer and freer and freer. So, for example, with the dancing, as you say, um, as a Latina, I was thought that when you dance, you have to be hot. <laughs> Maybe not everybody thought that, but uh, it was at least what the message that I got from the environment. And I could not do the funky moves and random shit. And this this limited my expression to only moving my hips or to only having certain hand movements that would be sexy. And as I was analyzing, as I was realizing all these limitations that I had in my free expression, then I started to let go of those because I would hear like the mind saying like, oh, if you're not dancing hot, then you're not dancing good. I'm like, what? <laughs> that's, that's, put that there. Get away. And um, I just would flip the narrative to off, brain off. <laughs> we, we don't have any brain input in this. So just feeling and doing whatever my body feels like doing. And sometimes that's like just making weird faces and just walking around like a monkey. It doesn't necessarily have to be sexy or coordinated or fancy. It's just expression. And I think that's one of the biggest gifts I have given myself to uh, find the places where I'm not free where there's a narrative, there's a story that it's keeping me stuck and tiny and like moving in a certain pattern and deleting that part. Why do you think that's so important? Because we talk a lot about authenticity yeah. and authenticity can only be achieved when you are taking away all the narratives and all, all the blockages that are in between who you really are and your truest expression. So who you really are is, is within, you're born with it. We talked about how children express who they really are. And it's, it's just like this, this set of preferences and ways where you express yourself. And then life happens and there's things that get in the middle. Like it could be your parents' expectations that they tell you, oh, don't sit like that, don't walk like that, don't talk like that. And then you start suppressing your true self, your, your authenticity, and your true expression becomes then tainted by those things that are in the middle, those blockages. Let's put an image to it. It's like you are getting, what can, what can you just like get stuck to yourself? Jellyfishes. <laughs> Ouch, and these things. <laughs> just a bunch of jellyfishes and they probably make a nice sound when you just like get them. And all of those things are like expectations and things that you get from society that, oh, you need to study and then get a job and then grow up and have a house and stuff like that. <laughs> all those things. So then your truest expression cannot really come through because it's like stuck in between this jellyfish. And what you do by freeing yourself up and finding, oh, that's a jellyfish, you throw it, return it to the ocean so it's free and happy. And, ah, okay. And you take it out and you take it out. You take it out. Then the thing that's within you, the thing that wants to be expressed, has a pathway out. And all of a sudden, 
you're being able to breathe better and you interact with life in a more pure way, not the one that is completely covered by all of these expectations and stories that you have gathered through time. Here, let me guess. The way to get rid of those jellyfish is sort of by exploring your own needs, whatever you feel drawn towards, maybe also getting out of your comfort zone, so expanding like the the possibilities that you have to, for example, dance moves in all other, in all directions in order to find your true expression of it. And the same way is in, in the job that you want to have, the um, expression of lifestyle that we want to have, just exploring different ones and then being able to like choose the one you actually want. So is that, that was my guess to, to getting the, the jellyfish basically off you, just exploring different areas despite of the narrative that you have maybe in your mind and then being able to like choose eventually freely what, which one you want without the judgment from society, from your parents or even from yourself. I think the choosing is beyond the expression. Like the expression is like it's happening before. And then when you're expressing yourself, eventually you will get to know who you are and then you make choices based on that. But I think the truest expression is manifested initially as this pull towards something where you are drawn towards a certain uh, dance technique or you're drawn to the art, the performing arts. You're drawn to studying a language. You're just drawn, and you can easily suppress it. Like when it's it's mm. just budding, it's when it's just a tiny thing that it's within your consciousness, and it's like, oh, it would be nice to do that. You can shut it off. You just like <laughs> put a jellyfish on top of it. It's fine. It goes away. But when you feel those things, and then you lean in, then you might be like, oh, there's a jellyfish between me and that, because. I'm not good at learning languages because I cannot move my body properly because I have to do what my parents say and be an engineer. So then usually you can find the jellyfish because you have an authentic desire to do something, but then it gets suppressed because of the stories and the expectations. And you're like, ah, no, yeah, I cannot really express myself that way. I see it a lot with uh, money. Mm-hmm. that people suppress their want to have money because they think it's, it's, it's bad. It's a bad thing. And I don't want that. And that's not what I'm interested in. And like they, they have all of the stories around because either they pick them up from society, they're like, oh, rich people are assholes, or <laughs> they picked it up from their parents. Either way, they have a story in there. And that story is that if you get money, you are um, a vain person, that you'd only care about material things and stuff like that. And you don't know. You don't know if that's the case. Maybe if you remove the jellyfish, you're like, oh, I actually would like to have uh, a lot of money so I can build a school in the middle of the Amazonian jungle. And (laughs) that's it. But you don't even get there because you have a jellyfish in the middle. I like the jellyfish analogy. <laughs> I just imagine <laughs> them like, a, yeah. really. All of them stuck basically to you, just um, holding you back from the true. It's I find it's a bit weird to say the true expression of oneself. It sounds a bit fuzzy, but I think it's it's just having the freedom to uh, explore different areas that you want to. 
go into, like that, that you feel drawn to. Yeah. Um, sometimes I have difficulty, just like true expression. I don't know what that is, mm -hmm. but like I have a weird thing of just feeling drawn to um, the the Eastern cultures is something for me. It's like yeah. I'm just feeling drawn to it. Watch YouTube videos about it, but I'm not judging it. It's just happening, right? Mm -hmm. um, is that that's for me at least a true expression for you too? Is that similar? Yes. Just feeling and drawn to something. A feeling drawn to something, or I think it manifests in multiple ways. The true expression. <laughs> the true expression is also creativity and being able to just get out of your system emotions that you have, stories that you have accumulated through painting, through dancing. It can also be telling stories and creating characters. It can also be building a business because you really feel drawn to creating uh, a business venture that solves a certain problem in society. So I think it can take many, many shapes. And the secret behind it is the bliss and being drawn to something. Mm. This is what Joseph Campbell would say. Follow your bliss. Like your, your journey is to follow your bliss. So using bliss as a compass to start doing things. And there's no right and wrong. Like, honestly, you may be drawn to things that later you figure out like, oh, that was definitely not it. But the point is to get moving, to get loose, to start trying new things. I think what keeps us a lot on the same track and with the jellyfish is the fear of being out of the comfort zone. Because the jellyfish has become the armor and the, this is a perfect excuse to stay always within this, this tiny realm of possibilities and seeing life through only through the filters of, mm -hmm. of the jellyfish. Wait, wait, but I think there's, there's an important part in there. So when you find this jellyfish as uh, a story, for example, in your mind, when you dance, for example, you have to dance sexy. That's yeah. a story that you took at some point on as a jellyfish. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and now, like, I think what happens before, uh, you analyze what's, what's the story? What's, what's me? What do I actually want? Like, I think a lot of work went already into finding the separation between a story that you um, just put on that's not true and what you actually desire. I think that's a very difficult part that we go into quite often. Mm -hmm. a, a true desire, what we actually want, and something, a belief that's a story that we just inherited, we took on. So I think that's the first point that you do. The second point is then accepting it and f sort of allowing it to be. Allowing mm -hmm. the story to be there. Like you, you're not pushing it away, oh, that's terrible, I should get rid of it. But allowing it to be sort of like the compassion, oh, I took it on, it's fine that I, that I have it. And the next step is, which is probably the most difficult one, is you actively decide to change it. And it sounded so easy when you said it. It's like, oh yeah, just put on a different, uh, or just take off the jellyfish, or just take on a different story. Oh, every dancing that I do is, that's authentic is great. Like that. <laughs> I got a lot of practice. <laughs> yeah, but I think, I think if you like put it in those steps, it becomes a bit clearer, what we were talking about now. Like, 
we talked about we, we wanted to start out with balancing the hyper analyzing thing what we're doing right now by the way and mm -hmm. the <laughs> and the play the fun and what helps i think really go into that is when you notice that there is a belief or story holding you back from going into the play or the fun because it's awesome it's fine to analyze things i think it brings us forward and we learn a lot but it's also important to just play and be in the present moment and just be fully immersed in what's hap whatever's happening now and i think everything that holds us back from this natural balance so either draws in too much into analysis and some people also go too much to the play and don't want to take anything seriously right and just seeing those finding all those stories i think is so important to eventually balance it out really nicely so you have a balanced life. At least that's what I'm going for. Yeah. And um, I was thinking, for example, when I have clients, how I balance the play and being present with the analyzing. Because sometimes I would just be like, oh, let's role play that thing. Or let's just Im get immersed in that story. Let's play this story full out. Okay, what happens if the worst case scenario were to unfold? And those cases have a sense of play, but at the same time, an awareness. Like there's presence, and in the presence and in the awareness, you are paying attention to anything that stands out. So they might react with something that it's the jellyfish, it's a story. Or they might bring up resistance or other things. And then you're like, ah, I feel that that's coming up. So okay, let's analyze that. But there's this, this magic that happens when you're threading the play and the analyzing that keeps you present because you stay present while it keeps you open for the possibilities and like letting things flow. Okay. I think, yeah, that's I think super important to know that both feed off each other. Both are really important. So I think the, the part is that for us, it's, I, I think, relatively easy to go into analysis. At least for me, it's quite difficult to go into the play back into it, even though it's as equally as important. Um, so what are some of your ways that you go back into play or switch in general, also maybe go back into analysis, just switching the modalities sometimes? What do you do? I don't think it's very useful. <laughs> <laughs> um, I, I just switch. <laughs> I'm like, I... I go to my brain and <laughs> knocking the door. No, I knock on the door and it's like, we're feeling now. <laughs> we're just letting go of stories. Sometimes it doesn't work. Sometimes my brain is very much there, has a lot of momentum, and I was all the whole day thinking, so then I cannot stop it. But if it's. What do you do then? In those cases, I keep on thinking. Huh. <laughs> I, don't, I don't do anything about it. Um, yeah, because I, I try to slow down the momentum. Ah, maybe that one would be helpful. 
So when their brain has taken over, and I notice that I'm even getting anxiety because of imagining all of the possible scenarios of this situation, and I, I, I'm losing myself, then every now and then I notice. And the, the way that I notice is because I have triggers of being present often. So a few times an hour, I don't, I'm not all the time, I, I haven't reached monk level presence, but a couple times an hour I would be like, oh, hello. It's like almost like I, I got plugged in. It's like, oh, reality, interesting stuff. And uh, where am I? What am I doing? Who was I? And in those moments of checking in, I see, okay, uh, I'm too brainy. I have been too much on business mode for too long. And um, then I set an intention of where I want to go. I would like to slow down because eventually I need to go to sleep and I don't want to be brainy because if I sleep brainy, then my dreams are going to be brainy. So I don't want that. And then I, I start inching towards that, that intention that I set. So I set the intention, for example, to relax or wind down. And then I watch a couple of music videos or something that is a different frequency. <laughs> and then I start to ease my way into relaxation or player awareness. Okay, but these are actually actionable steps. So first of all, you need to become aware of it, mm -hmm. that you are in the state, which for you, I guess, through practice, through meditation, sort of happening every now and then. Mm -hmm. And then what I've found interesting, you don't like say, okay, I cut now, I switch. But you say, hey, let me inch towards reducing the momentum of the mind, of the brain. Mm -hmm. um, and then just like, okay, let's just, okay, I'm, I'm in computer mode, so I'm screen, but let me just do something that we don't have to think about it. And, and then afterwards you go to, okay, like I setting the intention to reducing it and eventually go back into a more balanced state. Okay. For me it is, <laughs> for me it is, I think, um, more on a more drastic level because I notice I get so easily persuaded back into back into the brainy mode. So when I'm not actually making a hard cut to getting standing up or moving myself a little bit, then I immediately fall back. So for me, it's actually really really important to move, bring some presence through movement in there. So when, whenever you either tell me or I notice myself that, I'm, uh, that I've been too long in the computer or notice that I got really brainy, then I need to get up and, and move it, start with super slow movements, and, um, but I just start this momentum of becoming present again, maybe some deeper breaths, and, you know, inching myself then through that into a more aware state. That's for me the way. So I, I need to have an interruption, otherwise I just continue to flow in that state. Yeah, and <laughs> I was remembering a client that I have. He's the CEO of a startup, and he—I uh, don't—I don't remember exactly what we were talking about. 
it was about pro some processes for HR or something. And I was pivoting because the processes of HR actually required to know the values of the company and what's important for the company. It was it was something related to uh, human resources and like ch changing something or how to deal with a situation. Let's say that it was about firing somebody. And then it was like, okay, then what are the values that are from the company? And then I, I knew that we couldn't solve this in the micro if we didn't have a broader picture mm -hmm. of how things are supposed to unfold in the company. What's the philosophy behind this in the company? Because once you clarify the bigger philosophy, then the smaller things sort of fall into place. The thing is, I, I was switching between the small thing, like the very specific thing, and the bigger picture. And I was sort of playing with, with that, okay, so let's let's play with the person that you want to become and the person, the, the company that um, is, is naturally emerging from you. And all of those things made him really uncomfortable. <laughs> he was like, I don't want to talk about this. This is not solving the problem. I really need to concentrate on this uh, process. Could you give me the steps? Mm. And I was like, yes, I can. <laughs> <laughs> Let's go through the simplified process. You don't need the values or stuff. But I notice how very often I, I like to bring this play and this creativity in the most structured places mm. because a lot of things emerge from that, that combination. And that's not necessarily well received. If it's a person that is purely using their left brain, left brain being the analytical side and uh, the right brain is the more emotional, creative side. If it's a person that operates mostly in their left brain, the fact that I'm jumping between <laughs> left brain and right brain as if it was like a dance party, it's not fun for them. It's not, he, he really, he couldn't follow and he was feeling uncomfortable. And he, like, luckily he's like, expressing it immediately. He's like, ah, oh, this is not taking a turn that I that I, I find useful. And that's why sometimes I work better with women. I feel like um, women tend to, not not to generalize or to, uh, to be um, sexist or anything, but what I notice in my experience is that women tend to be more okay with jumping in between the brain sides. Because they are more used to the emotional side, and and then it's like, oh, okay, let's let's do the analytics and maybe jump a little bit in the emotional and go back to the analytics. So I think those those contrasts I've seen in the in the therapy room also help to maybe see like uh, the the differences between people, not necessarily genders, but people, and uh, also how. What for me is great fun and easy, for other people is extremely uncomfortable and not doable from the get-go. Like you can train yourself in order to, to get there, but, but it's not the most common thing. No, that's something I 
learn by being around you for so long to be really able to switch more easily between those modalities. I think in the beginning when we met, I was very much mostly in the in the brainy side. And then like you were constantly poking me in the direction of like, oh, but what what does it feel like? Don't you want to you know think bigger, like stuff like that? I was like, it was tough for me in the beginning too. So I really appreciate now having the possibility to use both both modalities really to to expand my perspective on things through either motion perspective and an analytical perspective. So I think that's great. Um, yeah. You want to add something still? While the airplane is passing. Oh, See, that, that's one of the things. Just acknowledging that you're living a situation right now where there's stuff going on, there's wind, gusts of wind and hummingbirds coming by and mosquitoes that want to want our blood and uh, a plane passing by and just being aware of that while also being aware that we're having a conversation that is highly analytical and we're going to the depth of it so how do you play within that space and that's 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 the thing you know what i've just realized um actually i think a lot of my play comes from add Oh, yes. That makes a lot of sense. Yes. Because I get bored really easily. So then I, I have to switch to something more rewarding, something more interesting, more entertaining. And that I, may, I might just have discovered that a lot of my cognitive flexibility is because I have ADD. And I just get bored if I'm analyzing for too long. That's such a... Uh advantage <laughs> because I can stay concentrated in the analytical brain for so long yeah, <laughs> yeah I think it's different uh, brain different struggles. brain structures yeah. but that might make it easy for me to switch mm. so if you have ADD you're in luck <laughs> you might just have to practice the analytic part though <laughs> yes Yes, and, and the thing with the analytics part is analytics, it's just like data analytics. I, I would die if I would have to work with that. No, the thing with analytical part is that usually we're analyzing things that I find incredibly engaging. Mm. <laughs> and then in that case, it's not so much of a problem to pay attention. The problem is if I'm just seeing data analytics and somebody calculating the curve and the, the higher end and the lower end. And, the, and I'm like, oh, I have absolutely no interest in what you're saying. So then, then that's when you see me in the background, just like looking at the sky, just like playing with my fingers. And then anything that's, could be more entertaining. Yes, anything. Mm -hmm. And that's how I become playful in situations that are <laughs> very serious, analytical, and brain-oriented. And it's not optional. No. No. Sometimes I'm, I'm, I was in, like, in the lectures in the university and I was so bored. I was just drawing and the teacher would ask something and I would be completely disengaged. So, so yeah, because that's the... 
flip side of the coin. The flip side? The other side of the coin? Where it's easy for me to switch, but I also get bored very easily. Then, to finalize this podcast, do you have something else about the balancing act that's helping you a lot with the analytical and the, the, the flowy, playful state? You either learned over the years or that you want to share as being a super helpful tool for you? Hmm. I think the most helpful thing I cannot put in words. <laughs> Very great stuff. And that's it, my friends. It's, I'll, I'll try, I'll give it a shot. It's a feeling of immediate letting go. So, for example, Okay, I have no clue either. Yes. So tell me. <laughs> for example, I want to dance. And I think that if I do something like that, um, for the ones listening, I was just shaking frantically my hands in front of my face. If I do something like that, I look stupid. And then I just hold that I look stupid for a split second in my mind. And then almost like if I would throw a smoke bomb, I do and then it goes away. And then my brain is rewired to not have that thought. So how can you do that? Magic. I don't know. Just give it a shot. <laughs> maybe you can, maybe it's, it's possible. Is that what you learned in the monastery in, in Thailand? Is that the thing you took from there? I was already doing it before oh. a lot. Um, there I could completely shut off my brain. Hmm. I was just like, <laughs> doing that with my whole mind but uh, but yeah no I, I every time that I would spot something that it's unhelpful mm-hmm. it's like oh right now I'm being uh, I'm, I'm being very contracted and I'm getting abandonment triggers and stuff like that okay I identify that <laughs> fades away and but it's like I hold it and then That's 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 why it's so hard to explain it. I don't know okay. even if it's understandable. Well, I th- it's I like a balloon. Okay, maybe yeah. like a balloon that just pops. Like I, I just I just hold the balloon, look at the balloon. Oh, look, that's interesting. And then grab a needle and ah, it's gone. Hmm. Yeah, um, that sounds amazing. And tell me when you can teach it. <laughs> but until then, I'll use my part and the the way I usually do that. Because I like to like to know, um, but I tend to cling on the thoughts on the the beliefs and I cannot let that easily let them go. So for me, what helps me then is just go back into the present moment, because there it gets a lot easier when I'm not in my mind so much. I think a nice trigger or a nice um, nice way to figure that I'm in the in the mind too much or I'm really clinging onto it is when anxiety arises. You mentioned that very early. I wanted to say that now it's the now it's the time. So when anxiety arises, then usually I'm too much in my mind. So for everybody who has problems with anxiety, try to get into your body, into movement, into some form of really getting out of the mind into the present moment. Because there anxiety usually cannot happen because we tend to connect it with being in the future with our minds. 
and that's anything like of doing sports doing like 20 push-ups until you can't and then just like jumping up and down or dancing or just going in nature going for a walk anything like that really helps me to get into this again freer more open perspective into the less constricted what anxiety usually is so that's my way of dealing with it yeah and we gave a lot of other tips throughout yeah hopefully that helps yes i hope so <laughs> to become freer yeah and um, less wearing a suit of jellyfish yeah <laughs> so and the the nice thing about that analogy is that the jellyfish if you have a lot of jellyfish it becomes really heavy mm. and then it's very hard to do a lot of things <laughs> you can, you're you're very heavy you're very constricted and the more jellyfishes you remove from your armor, the better you will be able to move and express authentically. So, so yeah, highly encouraged to finding those jellyfishes that are the stories, the expectations, and everything that you've held on to through your life. And uh, look at them and see if you want to return them to the ocean. That's it. <laughs> <laughs> Just returning jellyfish back to the ocean. Um, I think thanks for watching or listening until now again. Um, now introducing something new. So if you liked something from this episode or parts of it, feel free to share that with somebody. I think that could be really helpful yes. uh, for us, but also obviously for the friend that you would like to share it with. And uh, any, any way you want to interact with us on well, TikTok, Instagram, or, and or YouTube, feel free to do so. Yes. We're looking forward to hearing about you. And maybe not just hate your comments. Not just. <laughs> so, yeah. All right. Thank you so much again. Thank you. And bye-bye.